Welcome to Catalogs and Noise. My name is Joe. I'm here with Dave and Galen. Hmm. And before we begin, I'd like to plug my friends at Platypus Revenge. Oh, yeah? And, yeah. Uh, I saw them play last weekend, and uh, it was pretty great. Cool. Uh, they played over this weird 3D um, animation, mm-hmm. and they played this, uh, you know, strange, hippie, freakout music. John's band? John's band. Oh, right on. John yeah. and Charlie. Cool. And uh, you can see them, they have a podcast called Platypus Revenge Sessions, oh. and uh, you should you should uh, subscribe. I'll check it out. Yeah. That's it. That's my podcast. I like John. Who doesn't like John? John's I like adorable. Platypie, you know. Platypie. Sure. Is that, is that the proper... Uh, I believe so. What about Revenges? Oh, mm, yeah, they're pretty good. Sure. Too. All right. <laughs> All right. That being said, uh, this is our third of four. We're going to do four. We just yeah, I think we decided that. I think I said sometime earlier that there was going to be three. Third of four on the bridge, and that's just because of time constraints today, but who's in a rush? Why are we in a rush? All right. So here are my two thoughts on, from this point, right, three songs on. Mm-hmm. I think the poems are... Getting more specific, in other words, I think, until we get to Atlantis, which kind of goes abstract again. Yeah, it's very personal. Yes, these are personal and specific, and I think have a real voice. And I only mention that because we were talking so much about him trying to avoid those things. Yeah. There's some change here. Quaker Hill, especially. It almost sounds like Ginsburg. Oh, me. wow. I wasn't thinking Ginsburg, but I think that's right. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, obviously Ginsburg's after him, but I yeah. I don't know anything about Ginsburg's real, you know, thoughts on no, brain but, here. But, but you, get, you get a real critique in the mm-hmm. voice, right? It's not um, it's not that kind of uh, passive observer anymore. No, it's clearly... And I think I see this, by the way, it. in three songs. Yeah. And I think in Tunnel as well. Yeah. Well, Tunnel's a little bit different, but, um, but yeah, it, these seem more... I don't know, almost more traditional mm. in some ways, you know, because they have like a kind of center anchor to them. Mm. You know, they're less like like freeform freakouts, like platypus revenge perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I think it changes at the end. I think Atlantis is doing a completely different thing. <clears throat> Man, excuse me. The other thing I notice is that I think they're far more cynical. Yes. Huh. Right? I especially Quaker Hill. Especially, yeah. Quaker Hill has like this snarl to it that was very arresting to me. Yeah. That I never really noticed before. You know, it, it's it's almost like catty. I want to say. I mean, you get the sense of it's like like gossipy, or you get you know the sense that um, it's really judgmental. I judgmental. think of tourists. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Which I agree with. So. Oh, no, I do too. <laughs> and, and that's what, I, I'm not saying any of this as a criticism. I just thought it was it's different. an interesting It's a departure, term. sure. Yeah. Um, I like these, though. Yeah. I, think, I yeah. think these work. And Tunnel, too. Tunnel, in some ways, is like going like to the top of my list. Tunnel, like, tunnel's heavy. It's heavy. And, and I think it's uh, an important an- antithetical poem right. to, to the, the bridge. bridge. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get there, but its placement, I think, is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but yeah, there, there's some kind of um, specificity in these that yeah, I don't know, just just threw me off a little bit. Well, I mean, if you think about the whole collection, it starts so big. The the poem is this sort of abstract, you know, huge extended metaphor, right. and then you know, if this is if this is really a book about kind of the settling of America. And, and, and American, the story of America, you know, into its modern days, 
to start with Columbus makes it huge, right? Yeah, yeah. We start huge. We start crossing oceans. And, and honestly, when I first began the study with you two on this collection, I was like, you know, I didn't think he was going to pull this off. You know, like this <laughs> seemed like a kind of colossal project of sorts. Yeah. And yet he's been descending and descending and descending. And, and now you get into these that have a sort of almost like, I think you're hearing a voice that's kind of on a microscopic level. Right. When, you, when you say descending, I was thinking about it as narrowing. Yeah. You mean getting more specific. Yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking descending as in like, you know, exploring a cave or something. The tunnel. Know? Yeah. Like the tunnel. Like exactly. You, you, no, because I think that's true too. We're actually going into the tunnel, right? Yeah. Um, Quaker right. Hill ends with this descent yeah. into the tunnel in yeah. a weird way. You know? we're, we're descending into the earth. What better way to understand yeah. ourselves and to kind of return to the earth in mm-hmm. sorts but yeah I was thinking about that descending I was thinking of like what's it called spelunking when you go yeah. down yeah. to the cave and you're like exploring it you know so I'm thinking about descending and, and I think I talk about this with my students a lot too like you know when we, we, sometimes we start with these big ideas and then we, des- we need to start there before we can descend into kind of the specifics of things but that metaphor of, of our ideas descending I don't know I feel like he's doing that with this entire collection like the scope of it mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. I, you, so I was thinking about it a little differently. I agree with everything you said. Yeah. But I was getting a little frustrated with this collection because I wanted to be westwardly expanding yeah. in terms of its content. And it's not. It's, it's not. It's actually getting more... It's more chronological, I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm taking that for granted because we started with Columbus and we're moving through. And there's always that tinge of modernity that's, that's washed into all of the subjects as we go through time. But the focus is getting closer and closer to modernity as we go through. Yeah, I agree. And it's not about westward expansion. It's about some. I think it's about the American identity more than anything. Yeah. And so once you get to modernism, once you get to the twentieth century, the only way to explore those things is to look at the individual closely. Mm-hmm. This is right in keeping with all of art history, right? Right. Yeah. You, you know, we need to look very. Uh, we need to stream of consciousness in fiction. We need to, you know move into cubism to see the kind of uh, multiple perspectives at mm-hmm. once. Whatever that metaphor is, that's what he's doing here. Yeah. In, just in terms of narrowing that subject, I think. Yep. And, and to capture the different voices, I think one of the right. voices was looking into that westward expansion. So, so lo and behold, we think, oh, it's going to tell the entire story of America. But in actuality, he's really just descending into perhaps a more specific, a more modern voice. He's starting, he's starting with Columbus and he's almost ending with himself, you know? We talk about a journey of voice. It's kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah. No, these, this is good, man. Bridge is all right. <laughs> you know, I did stumble across the other day some, some like, pretty scathing criticism of the bridge. Really? Yeah. Yeah, basically, I forget the critics, but, you know, saying that he can't, he hasn't pulled off, you know, the, the, the answer to Elliot and all these things. Hmm. Yeah, I, but those were pretty contemporary with his, with the writing of this. It was basically after publication. I, I don't, I don't know. If That's tough criticism. It's tough criticism for the time. I don't. My guess is they didn't understand it yet. But yeah, I, well, I and, certainly think this is a powerhouse. And also, the gatekeepers to the world of of, of high poetry. Are, are strict, man. You know, critics. They, come on, Bastards. dude. It, it, Everyone's a, a critic. It's a tough place to enter, you know. So I think there could have been that going on yeah, too, you of know. Of course. Okay, so three songs. Now, before we begin, right? I mean, what strikes me as common across these three short poems now is that they're all about women at center. Yep. And they're all kind of archetypes, but with a particularly modern. Uh, take. Absolutely. Right? So I think, so in Southern Cross, right, 
we get Eve, Magdalene, or Mary, you. But I think, like, in the first one, it's Eve. In the second one, it's Magdalene. And the last one, it's Mary. Because he only mentions Magdalene. You mean across the three poems? Yeah. Oh, shit. Right? That's really good. That makes yeah, sense, right? right? Mm-hmm. So the first one, just to get an overview, right? Yeah. The first one is our kind of, like, uh, southern woman of the south that is put upon uh, by... It seems the, the cultural... The KKK, yeah. The, the bigotry around and, them, right? Yeah. It never says it explicitly, but, but I get I the think sense that's this is African-American, yeah, you know, absolutely. Jim Crow, right? That's the idea. So you're yeah. saying that is an Eve figure. Then you get Magdalene, who's the burlesque dancer. Ma- right, the And next then you one, get the right. Virgin Mary, who's Mary, the secretary that's a virgin that keeps getting, like, hit on by her boss, And right? this is like an up... Well, I see. I, I think he's kind of posing her as, you know, like, up against... Um, a kind of, you know, casual misogynistic yeah. class, right? That's mm-hmm. the idea? Yeah. Yeah. And that's... And thus the patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. And then, all right, so that's her trying to maintain her virginity in this world. That's well, really good. Or maybe yeah. or maybe not even her virginity. I don't well, even think it's, it's that literal. It's called Virginia. It's called Virginia, but, but even maybe her virginity as a sort of, like, look... Like, it, it's on her own terms. Well, her virtue. Well, yeah. Right? Her virtue. I don't know. Yeah, virtue's, sure. virtue's that's too fine. Yeah. Yeah, I don't Whatever. think it's about but sex. Yeah. No, not necessarily. Yeah. But it it's is about, kind. It's about, it's about, I don't know about sex. It, it, it is. <laughs> no. It is and it is. Yeah, yeah. All right. So well, I, what I guess what I want to say is that <laughs> sometimes I think a poem, the, the, the magic of a poem is that it can exist in two worlds at the same time. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So I, I think that while there's a literal nature to the poem on the page, which could be like literally it's about sex and, it, and maybe she's a virgin or not, but it's also just about a woman being able to approach that life on her own terms, you know, so that's like the larger thing. Right. I, so the reason that I'm kind of balking at some of this is because it certainly is about sex, right? But I don't think the point of view in the poem is that sex is bad. No, no. It's the misuse of it. It's the, the misuse of the power. But oh, no, way, I don't think I, so. I, I think his celebration of the of the burlesque dancer is not an indictment of her at all. No, I don't like, think so. I, I don't think that's the case with... I think he's just juxtaposing these two women right. as being similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. As kind of giving hope to men, but her kind of being put upon, as you said before. Yeah. Yeah. He, he certainly doesn't think that um, the woman in the second poem is... Or the third poem, you know, would be... Um, I don't know, untoward or slutty because no, no, no. she went through it as long as it was on her terms. Right, you know but I mean? she's a, because she hasn't had that experience right. in which somebody's not telling her to let down her hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, she I doesn't think, want to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think this is incredibly yeah. um, modern. I do I too. mean, modern as in our contemporaries. I think this is like of the moment. This is so far ahead of its time, right? Yeah. I mean, particularly like, when is this being written? This 1930. Is, yeah, there's like 30. Well, I mean, I guess the 20s do have this kind of more liberal sensibility than the next couple decades after them. Yeah. So maybe it is of his time, you know, because we think of like 20th century. I think of 40s, 50s kind of conservatism. Right, you know? but the 20s kind of is like the 60s. Is, like, it's a weird yeah. island of time. So it maybe, is. It, yeah. But, but it might be a little surprising for a, a guy with Hart Crane's background, though. You know, you, you'd oh, almost yeah. expect him to be kind of hooked into the patriarchy or... or, or, or um, you know, I mean, I think he still is, but I think thinking. this is also, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, th- there's some ideas in the poem that I had to question. So, I mean, the big, particularly in, uh, what is the second one called? Why can't I get it in my head? National Winter Guard. Yeah, National Winter Guard, because that one does not seem as... No, yeah. Spe- you know, I know it's specifically referencing a place, but it's not, I don't know, that one doesn't yeah. match like the other ones do. But um, I-, I had to question sometime, is he, you know, 
commenting on the male gaze, you know, or is he, you know, buying into it? And I, I think there's, I think there's a bit of both. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. that it says he, he's clearly a social justice warrior a la today, and you know, there, you know, there, there might be some some problems in there. I think the good by far, by far, outweighs the bad, particularly considering the. The, the context of the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, this this last line of uh, Winter Garden Theater, then you, the burlesque of our lust and faith, lug us back lifeward, bone by infant bone. So it's both things. Yeah. I think. It's both things, yeah. right? The, these poems feel like they come out of that poem from White Buildings where he was dealing with uh, Eve in the garden. The tree, right? Some yeah. Of she was wrestling with like her sexuality or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- th- this feels like it, it, it blew out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So before we actually read the poems, just one more thing. So, what does it say, though, that if we're, if we're at this point in the, the collection, right, where we need to kind of start looking specifically at different types, that we have this kind of, I don't know, dedication to these three poems of women, put them together. I, there, it does seem something a little bit just kind of boxing and check, or, or checking off a box to it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That because they get the special treatment, it's almost implied they're not part of the natural landscape of things. Yeah. Right? So I mean, it's Powhatan's daughter. It's not Pocahontas. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like it, I right. think, but again, I, I'm not trying to... It makes sense for when he's writing it, but yeah. Right. And, Interesting. And, and Pocahontas is always symbol there mm-hmm. as well. Not, but she, I, she's not as I much, she's only, not much identity I think the only female... So that we've seen in this collection so far that actually had any kind of like life to her is the mother in... Uh, uh, Indiana. In Indiana. Indiana. Dude, I go That's back true. to that poem all the time, man. Indiana's great. Yeah. I mean, even thinking back to white buildings, there's not many. I mean, you get the grandmother one, but that's really about him, the speaker, more than it is about the grandmother. Though, though the grandmother does hold a tender place in that poem, I feel like. But no, still. No, absolutely. But again, it's a yeah, daughter, it's a, it's a mother. Yeah. It, they're, you know, yeah. Yeah. these are the only women we've seen that are in relation to another man, and yet they are three songs separated, you know. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and, but it's know, still impressive, I, I think. I, absolutely. And I wouldn't, I don't know, I think, I think that's a weird thing to hold people to, you know, the idea that. I think you can only in some way speak to yourself. Sure. You know, I mean, if, you know. if he was doing a whole thing on, on the woman's experience, we'd call him, you know, overreaching and ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think I think it doesn't matter so much that Hart Crane has to address other women as much as this podcast has to address other women writers. What? Right? You, what? <laughs> what I'm trying We're to say... We're not doing enough... Uh, no, 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 uh, no, no, I'm not busting on you. What I'm trying to say is it's our job with this podcast... Job. To create, to, to showcase other voices. Like what you said, you know, Hart Crane can really only speak to Hart Crane's existence, which is why we should not only be reading men, we should be re- reading women, we should be re- reading people of color. Yeah. So it, it's not Hart Crane's fault. It's our responsibility that we do other, yeah. other artists and stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I agree. I, you know, I think we've, we've tried to expand oh, yeah. a little bit, you know, but, you know, the other thing is I'm always a little bit afraid of the other side of that argument, which is cultural appropriation and who does this guy think he is talking about Otis Redding, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. and that kind of thing. Well, that's the thing, right? You and, have and, to speak to what you know, too. Well, exactly, yeah, right? Yeah. I don't ever want to overreach as I well. Agree. So, uh, you, you know, there's it's it's a tricky line where we are. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But we could bring in other people, too. Like, Look, you know, 
We can bring we can bring in people like. Uh, oh, if, if you're talking about like the lack of female voice in this, no, I've had no, every no. woman in the world. No, no, I'm, just, I'm feeling tokenized right now. <laughs> no, no right. I'm just saying is like that this thing can expand this project. You yeah. know, like it, it could be whatever. In it no wants way to are be. you a token, though. Like, like no, I'm just no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm, can busting. I make a joke? Yeah, but Caitlin's funny. No, but I was like the first. Couple is that surprising? Because I'm a woman. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. The first couple years of this, I was like, why won't women do this with like you know. I can't yeah. get my wife to be on the mic for, yeah. for a second. I don't know. We got Laura on. No, Laura came on. She's the yeah. only other woman so yeah. far. Women, come out. Uh, don't Join the podcast. It. By the way, maybe it's up the podcast. <laughs> maybe it's you. I get that. I totally get that. All right. Let's read this poem. <laughs> all right. For Christ's sake. Um, all right. Three songs. I'll do the first one. Oh, all right. We'll deal with Marley later. Okay. Southern Cross. I wanted you, nameless woman of the South, no wrath, but utterly, as still more alone, the Southern Cross takes night and lifts her girdles from her, one by one, high, cool, wide from the slowly smoldering fire of lower heavens, vaporous scars, Eve, Magdalene, or Mary, you. Whatever call falls vainly on the waves, uh, O Simeon Venus, homeless Eve, unwedded, stumbling uh, gardenless to grieve, windswept guitars on lonely decks forever finally to answer all within one grave. And this long wake of phosphor, iridescent, furrow of all our travel, trail derisions, eyes crumble at its kiss, its long drawn spell incites a yell, slid on the backward vision, the mind is churned to spittle, whispering hell. I wanted you, the embers of the cross climbed by a slant and huddling aromatically. It is blood to remember, it is fire to stammer back. It is God, your namelessness, and the wash. All night the water combed you with black insolence. You crept out simmering, accomplished. Water rattled that sting coil. Your rehearsed hair, docile, alas, from many arms. Yes, Eve, wrath of my unloved seed. The cross a phantom buckled, dropped below the dawn, light drowned, the lithic trillions of your spawn. That's really good. <laughs> I like these poems so much. Yeah? Yeah, I really do. Um, all right, what's up with the Marlowe? So, all right. Yeah, you got something? Yeah, okay. So this is from, this is about Hero and Leander, and the story is, right, that they're lovers, but they're on either side of the river, and he, like, crosses the river at night to be with her. She's, like, a priestess of, I don't know, yeah, Aphrodite, I, don't know. I think. She's, yeah. But she's virginal, right? I assume. I no, I don't think so. No, I thought that like that was. Oh, I don't know. No. Hmm. No, she's not. She's not. In other words, the only reason that that's of any worth is if their love is kind of forbidden or something like that. I, I think it's that they literally can't physically get to one another. Yeah. Yeah, but it, I, I, maybe I don't know. I guess it is. But anyway, what ends up happening is there's a storm. Her light yeah. goes out that guides him across the river. He drowns and then she kills herself. Sad. Yeah, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't so, <laughs> know that their love is particularly forbidden, or that they just can't seem to cross the river. Yeah. But so I don't know. And I guess the only reason that matters in terms of the poem is I don't. I thought the connection was about kind of that kind of put upon quality, the expectations that you know one has to. I don't know. Be extra thoughtful about or brave to to stand up against. I thought that's what 
the hero heroes of female, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that the hero character was all about, and therefore it made an interesting parallel to the the woman of the South that Crane's talking about. Yeah. I'm not sure. I feel it, like it, I have to it, dig too hard here. If they had a bridge, no one would have died. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's what it is. That's what it is. That's right. Yeah. So he's, this literally is. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. That there's literally no bridge, and so he dies. And then yeah. there's, that's like a literal bridge. And then this one is that there's like metaphorically that. Like right? that. no bridge. Right. Them. I mean, they have to create the bridge, but that's dangerous. Right. Right. So what is a bridge but a kind of communal experience of connecting people? Right. If you don't have a bridge, you're on your own to do it, and you're more susceptible to the dangers of the world. And, right. and this whole collection's been about people connecting, right, and, and, and advancing in, 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 I don't know, moralizing in, in societies and communities, I guess, you know. And that all is possible because people create bridges. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I guess the Southern Cross, which I, I thought had three different reads on, that's like a new read to it, right, that this is a... A kind of crossing as well, maybe? I don't yeah. know. I, mm-hmm. No, I, know. I don't think that's far off. No, no. Maybe, yeah, Southern sure. Cross is a, a constellation. Right. That's what I thought when I first read yeah, it. Yeah, me then too. I know that it... No, I, I think this reads on, on two, I think, real solid levels, right? One is this kind of ethereal vision of the stars and all of this, you know, mm-hmm. almost like mythos playing out, you right. know? And maybe that's what Marlowe's doing here, too, with his Greek myth. But also you have, you know, this, the cross to bear, as in, like, the cross of Christ, you know, the, as being a southern woman, as being most likely an African-American woman that has to fight against these societal constraints. Or the burning crosses that's that what, could have that's been, how I interpreted well, you know, it. I really uh, did. like, showing up on her lawn. No, right, and that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of my, like, B read to that, yeah, my yeah, third yeah. read, yeah. yeah. I don't know that that's a B read, but... Oh, no, no, I mean, just, like, as, you know, I think yeah. they're connected to my A read, which was okay. about the Jesus thing, but yeah. th- those, are, those are connected ideas. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not trying to put one above the other, I don't care. <laughs> what are, but I think they're all working simultaneously mm-hmm. here, yeah. right? Um, Again, the poem, you know, working in different worlds. Yeah. I love that. So, if we look at just the the beginning, right? I wanted you, Nameless Woman of the South. I think that that I there is conspicuous that it starts out with, that this is, I don't know, more like um, the grandmother poem from White Buildings than I originally thought, actually. You know, that it is really about his sympathies, his needs, you know, his impression of her. Um, There does seem to be a distance between the speaker and the subject, I think. You know, that... Mm-hmm. Um, he's observing her, I think. Yeah, that he's observing her, right? But I, I don't... I don't know. And maybe it's not his place to, like we talked about before, but I never get a sense of a real depth of character, right? It is still, you know, put in these archetypal distance... He calls her Simeon Venus, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that that takes away any of the real sympathy or... No. Or, or well, I emotions that underlie it's, it's honest. You know? Um, like, I think, you know, Hart Crane would be appalled to think that that was offensive. But, you know, it's, it's, it's innocent and it's, you know, ignorance. Yeah, it just might be he's far from, say, the subject matter, you know, to really speak about it, you yeah. know, authentically yeah. or what have you. Is that redundant to say it's innocent and ignorance? I think it is. Uh, I think... Ignorance implies innocence. No, ignorance also implies that you don't give a fuck. No, that's true. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I, 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 I always have to talk. I remember with some of this, 
youngsters talking about like naive versus innocent. You know, I mean, excuse me, naive versus ignorant. You know, I think mm-hmm. they're different. Naive yeah. and innocent sound the same. So to get back, I, I think that that he's talking about her, and really, I think all the women in this, you know, across three songs, being acted upon by the outside world, right? And it's just striking me now that he's acting upon her in a way as well as subject, you know. Where I think he's right, you know, in his politics and saying, like, it's a tragedy that, that these, you know, subordinate women, you know, are, are, don't have their own agency, don't have, mm-hmm. you know, th- their own voice. Yeah, it, there's a sense that he is doing it in a, in a, a more subtle and a more loving way, but it, that it is happening. Are there sexual abuse images in that first stanza? Um, well, lifts her girdle. Lifts her girdle, and that's that's actually the line I was yeah. thinking about the acting upon. You know that she's a kind of passive victim of of what the night, the Southern Cross. Well, it's burnt, the smoldering fire of it, all of that. Yeah, to get the yeah. burning cross image on that one. So it's kind of like the the Southern Cross, the the, the environment in which she's in, the night, the cross, whatever you want to, whatever metonymy might be working there. That's what's lifting her girdles. So all right. So I think now we have to get into the idea of those multiple reads, right? Because if the Southern Cross is the consolation, then maybe this is a poem about you know female empowerment and you know lifting the girdle, you know, uh, into the night of being your own person. I think that's slight compared to, you know, the the other read that that creates her as a victim that is about, you know... Yeah, vaporous scars. I right. Mean, I don't know that I can... That line, too, I think, kind of yeah. speaks to that. Homeless right. Eve, gardenless to grieve. Gar- yeah, gardenless, homeless, you know? Mm-hmm. This is this, disenfranchisement all Like, she could, she could be this Eve-like character. He sees her that way, but she can't be. So I think in getting at, like, the idea that he does kind of elevate her, he definitely wants to elevate her, but sees that she in her situation really yeah. can't be, right? So yeah. the South then is a, it's, it's a garden after the fall, which is, I guess, no longer a garden, right? It's wilderness yeah. in a way. Yeah. So this is a poem that almost longingly looks back for an ideal that's impossible to recapture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're probably right, given the mentality of a Jim Crow South when this is being written. Yeah. It's bleak. Yeah. It's bleak. But she's also, right, the, um, the mother of trillions, right? I, I mean, I'm going to attribute everything in this poem to the subject, right, this woman that mm-hmm. he's talking about, right, that she's going to take on all of these different um, uh, metaphorical and mythical kind of uh, characterizations. She does end very much like Joyce, right? Like, um, you know, what father of thousands oh, yeah. and looking at his penis at the end of uh, Aeolus, not Aeolus. No, um... Uh, the lotus, uh, the lotus, lotus eaters. Lotus eaters, right? That she holds all of this potential to create as well. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't think it's completely negative in nature, either. You know, there is a kind of flash of hope in terms of what could be. You know, what what possibilities lie out there? I think. I don't know, but there is. I mean, stumbling gardenless and. Finally, to answer all within one grave. These are these are heavy, you know, kind of morbid ideas. Spawn's sure. too close to sperm. I feel like that's a man's, a man's. <laughs> really? Yeah. Spawn. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I like that. I don't word. know. But just the, that whole light drowned the lithic trillions of your spawn just reminds me of like seeing like frogs' eggs and like tadpoles. Yeah. I don't know how good that is yeah. of an image. <laughs> Neighbor Tom says when when frogs come out of the 
from hibernation. They just are literally spewing, like, you know, semen, like, every which right. way. Like, that's just, it's like this big orgy in the pond, you know? <laughs> They're just trying to inseminate everything. I think of that when I think of Spawn, Same. you know? <laughs> yeah, but it's certainly being applied to her here, right? Oh, it yeah. is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, because Eve is a spawn of all mankind. Right, right. But even the, the, the stanza before ends with, yes, Eve, wraith of my unloved seed. Which yep. is, which is undoing, way. right? She, he calls her um, no wraith in the second line. Right, yeah. but like the, the idea of, isn't a wraith like the ghost of somebody that just died? Yeah, yeah it's like, it's, it's a bad. Terrible. It's like the bad town of ghost. It's <laughs> bad like, ghost. It's, like, it's, it's like a poltergeist ghost. It's not like a Casper ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Poltergeist is some scary shit. Yeah, man. I know. Uh, wait, so I'm but wait, what about the Mai in there? That that Mai unloved scene? Mai, is, that's a speaker, right? I yeah. Mean, I, I feel like that's an important important thing here. So is, it, it could it just be the case that she dies? I mean, that she's no wraith early on and then eventually dies and becomes this kind of ghostly figure that becomes embodied in her children and those that come after her mm-hmm. something like that so maybe maybe that's why that contradiction exists because her her state of being changes yeah um, I, I feel like crane is is writing about a specific story like a woman who was maybe you know taken in the middle of the night you know killed raped. lynched raped yeah. and lynched or something and somehow he's trying to um, give her a voice through his own of course but you know, and, and like we're trying to like get through it, like get to it, but there's a there's a there's a codedness to it, right? Oh, absolutely. There's, a, yeah. there's like a there's He's a sort of coded. you know there, there's yeah. a there's a distance because he can't he can't fully embody it for whatever reasons either he doesn't know or it's the times he's lived, living in or he's afraid or he doesn't feel like it fits the collection, but I, we it's like we can't quite get to what this woman's about and and, and what the speaker's relationship is to her. Yeah, I, well. Because I think this one in particular holds so many different possibilities. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right, so for instance, another note I had is in that line, Wraith of my unloved seed, who is the speaker here? Is a speak so here are some possibilities, right? It's the same speaker, the kind of cranian voice we've been, you know, taking for granted. But it calls me Adam. It could be the voice of God here, right? And mm. which has to do with the kind of possession theme, you know, mm-hmm. because it's my unloved seed, right? The my implies that it's also Adam's. It implies that it's God who created her, mm-hmm. in essence, you know? Yeah. Or that it's the writer that creates the poem, perhaps. You know, all of those possibilities exist. Sure. Yeah, definitely. So I'm not sure, you know. And it starts of off with that I wanted you. It, there's a focus to that. There's a focus that, th- that this is a specific that speaker. That I wanted you, right. Yeah. But, and also, all of those possibilities make her a wraith and all those negative connotations that Galen was talking about. Yeah. Right? They, they, they almost box her out of the, her own creation, yeah. or, you know, in some way. We, that leads me to think that Crane knows what he's doing, though. You know, in terms, of, in terms of creating a critique that is sympathetic and yeah. feminist-minded. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Oh, me I too. I, I hear rape and rape, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I think that's yeah, probably yeah. A, a very conscious word choice on Crane's part. Yeah. No, th- this, is a, this is a goodie. I like I this. Like I think it. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. All right. So, as we were talking about before, National Winter Garden is a physical place. Yes. I had to look this up, of course. I but a burlesque house in uh, what? Like, that's probably like uh, like now the East Village, right? Yeah. Um, during the twenties. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. I wonder if we could visit it. Yeah, I was just thinking that. 
I mean, like, I wonder, like, what's there now, you know? <laughs> I wanted to see the show. Yeah, I think you do much. I think you do much. Um, all right, so read? I'll read this one. Okay. National Winter Garden. Outspoken buttocks and pink beads invite the necessary cloudy clinch of bandy eyes. No extra mufflings here. The world's one flagrant sweating cinch. And while legs waken salads in the brain, you pick your blonde out neatly through the smoke. Always you wait for someone else though, always. Then rush the nearest exit through the smoke. Always and last before the final ring, when all the fireworks blare, begins a tom-tom scrimmage with a somewhere violin, some cheapest echo of them all begins. And shall we call her whiter than the snow, sprayed first with ruby, then with emerald sheen, least tearful and least glad, who knows her smile? A caught slide shows her sandstone gray between. Her eyes exist in swivelings of her teats. Pearls whip her hips, a drench of whirling strands. Her silly snake rings begin to mount, surmount each other, turquoise fakes on tinseled hands. We wait, that writhing pool, her pearls collapsed, all but her belly buried in the floor. And the lewd chounce of a final muted beat, we flee her spasm through a fleshless door. Yet to the empty trapeze of your flesh, O Magdalene, each comes back to die alone. Then you, the burlesque of our lust and faith, lug us back lifeward, bone by infant bone. Man. I like this poem. Yes. It is, it is saucy. This poem is It good. is. I saw the word teats threw you off a little there. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't crazy about it, but this poem is good. <laughs> I, I literally wrote the note, ew, it just like, yeah. it's off-putting. Okay. Dude, teats and spawn. I feel like he's spawn. trying to like throw a word in each no, poem. I, I think he is. I think he's yeah. trying, right? So th- this is playful and a little bit smutty and all yeah. this, right? I think he's going for that. He wants the vibe right. of, the, of the, the time and place. Mm-hmm. But I think he knows that this is a little bit grotesque as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, mm-hmm. and playing with those images. I think he's torn about the experience of being in this place. Mm -hmm. You know, this poem reminds me of a poem by Theodore Rudke called "My Papa's Waltz." Oh, it's lovely. You know, Papa's Waltz, where he's dancing like on his father's feet, and his father's drunk, and you get this like you get this sense that the father is like literally almost like physically hurting the kid because he's so but drunk. you come to that in time. It doesn't. It doesn't come right away. Seems loving at first. Right. Seems loving at first, and what happens is the poems. Um, the poem's obscured and disguised by its form and by its music. It's got yeah. it's got a regular rhyme scheme, and yeah. I forget I forget it's if a it's a villanelle. I thought it was it was a waltz time. Yeah, it is, but I don't know. I don't forget what um, form the poem like what official form. Oh, the it poem might be a villanelle. Is. Yeah, you might be. I don't right. know if it's a villanelle or what. But whatever the similar, yeah. whatever the case may be, it has it has a regular it has a form. It has a regular rhyme and music to it, and that's what I think. You know, this one does too, which I think is is. You know the yes. smuttiness and the the harshness of the images and the subject matter, but that playful music, man, I, it's creating some interesting tension. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. I like that. Um, so it's kind of uh, downplaying the title, but it actually strikes me now that the title's amazing. Yeah. Right, because you pick up on Garden from mm. <laughs> from the last poem, Eve. right, and National, right gives us a kind of universal feel of the kind of American ideal and all of this. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually doing a lot. And, and, and the garden in winter is dormant, too, so there's something with the winter, too. Um, Wait, is this just oh. now the Winter Garden Theater? Uh, no, Winter Garden Theater is not down in Houston. Oh, I guess not. Yeah. No. That's yeah. like uh, Midtown, right? That's like, yeah, no, yeah. that's like Broadway. No, you're right. Maybe they moved. No, but I like yeah. that, right? The, the winter thing, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. A garden is, is frozen or dormant, dormant. or... 
Yeah, that's interesting. So what is this place, right? This place is supposed to be this kind of like Eden where it's paradise, where women can be free and naked and not have, you know, the, uh, the corruption of, of God's eye or, They're in a holding or pattern. <laughs> before the fall or anything mm-hmm. like that. But that's all impossible, right? It's, mm-hmm. all, it's all a kind of bastardization of, of those glimmery, you know, idealistic yeah. Uh, old ideas. Yeah. Shit. I, I, I love doing uh, workshops on like uh, opening lines to poems, like how, how a poet drops us <laughs> into a poem. This might, this might be, you know, perhaps one of the most hmm. interesting outspoken, opening lines. Outspoken buttocks? Outspoken buttocks in pink beads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. No, it's good. It's good. Um, By the way, don't you get a sense that he's closer to the subject matter here? Like, yes. you get a sense that this is a, a more authentic yes. poem. Like, he, he's been to this place or places like it. You know, he's seen these shows. And so you're getting a sort of rawness to the language and the images that I feel like there was a, a, a sort of... It was almost like a distance in the metaphor-making in the uh-huh. previous poem, right? It's rhetorical distance. Yeah, 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 it, yeah it, no is, doubt. Yeah. This is way closer to... Yeah. The fleshiness yeah. of the experience. The, the, mm-hmm. the grittiness of the city. Um which we were getting in some of those stanzas early on in the first poem uh, of the bridge. Mm. There was some kind of grittiness street, street um, images and things. I feel like we're, we're now returning to that here. Yeah. So, so this is like the Mary Magdalene poem. Yeah. Right? I love how the Eve stuff is sprinkled into it too, right? They're, none of them, I think, are completely no. that thing, right? They're all, you know, it's like, it's like what is it, the three-faced, you know, um, image or, you yeah, know, yeah. That, that all of those archetypes exist in the one kind mm. of idea, mm-hmm. right? So you get, like, the snake imagery and things like that, you know, that, that are in the garden that are always kind of bring us back to that idealized Eve. Mm. Yeah, the, the plainness is really great. And this is, like, fun, too. I, I think this is fun. I like when, I like, right... Uh, when Crane is, is seems like he's enjoying himself yeah you know because it's like I don't know it's like a breath of fresh air yeah from some of his dodginess mm-hmm. I think um, in the fifth stanza where he says uh, pearls whip her hips a drench of whirling strands her silly snake rings begin to mm-hmm. mount surmount each other turquoise fakes on tinseled hands kind of reminds me of like the Pocahontas oh, idea yeah. too with like the, the snake rings and the, the, the turquoise and those like images of like Native American jewelry that's good and yeah stuff. that's like, really good kind of brought me back to that and then uh, we wait that writhing pool her pearls collapsed all but her belly buried in the floor like all of this like interesting kind of like pregnancy imagery but like clearly she's like writhing on the ground like in her burlesque dance yeah like there's something sexy about it yeah totally the pool and the pearls just the language I feel like I feel like you know we could do a class on on word choice with a poem like this like the words are just kind of spectacular I agree um, so the, My, save save teats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the last stanza, right? I think like has a, it's like a traditional turn, though, mm-hmm. right? With the yet, um, but so so the thing I actually find this very moving, right? The last two lines, then you the burlesque of our lust and faith, right? That addition yeah. of and faith is huge, is enormous, right? It really undoes all of the tawdry business Tons. that came before, yeah. right? He did something like that, by the way, in White Buildings. I can't think of the poem at the moment, but there was a serious turn at the end where yeah. it was like, I don't, you know, I'm never thinking. I know I, what you're talking I, about. I wish I had my right now. yeah the book. Um, but but what does it do, right? So that means so I picture like all of these guys that are just watching these women dance for the mm-hmm. men in bar, right? Um, but it's not. 
really about the sex, right? Well, it kind of is, but it's but not But it's more fully. about, like, the loneliness aspect. They're lonely. Yeah. they're lonely and they need something to believe in. Yeah, and, and it's that's what I literally, I put, like, because it's, like, the faith is, like, the belief in the power of women to, like, make you not lonely, to, like, make right. you feel whole and complete. Wow, that's good. Yeah. I think that's it. That's yeah. good. Right? Yeah, yeah that, that, you know, this is, it's, for them, it's like going to church. Yeah. Right? It, it's a way to... To connect with people, you mm-hmm. know, you hear those stories about like you know men will get a prostitute just to talk about their life and their yeah, problems yeah. and things like that. <laughs> it, it's very sad. Uh, I have a punch drunk love. Remember he does it. Oh, sure. He calls the right. The yeah, phone exactly. Sex exactly. Hotline. Right. No, that's a great <laughs> example. I, I think um, Crane has a beat on that. Like, yeah. Almost hundred years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. And then that brings us to love us back life word, right? So that gives us this makes us human, you know mm-hmm. that. What the, the idea of the faith, the idea that you have some hope in you gives you life again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, bone by infant bone, right? So, how about lug? What a great word. Mm. Lug. Damn. lug us back life for lug us back. Like, it's almost like I'm almost thinking like a, like a boat, like yeah. a tugboat, right. you know? Like, but just like back the to work, boats like water. the work, like she's working. Yeah, like, you know yeah. I mean? yeah, no doubt. The, the word choice in its form is fascinating. Yeah. But ultimately, really I mean, it gives them youth, right? The bone by infant mm-hmm, bone, mm-hmm. you know? It, it's, it's, moving, it's moving away from the dancer into the, the spectator's mentality and then deep into them, into their sense of faith, into their, their bones. Which also connotes their mortality, too, though. Their, I know, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Right, but that, I think, connects us back to, you know, the trillions of spawn mm-hmm. and all that, right? That, that we're, we're all coming from this, this same place. Um, you know, we're just part of this endless circle of life and death, all yeah. of that stuff, you know? But it also brings us back to the idea that, like, this woman I'm watching in this burlesque call is also a mother, literally, and, you know, has those, those Eve qualities, those maternal, you know, uh, um, ideas locked into her, you know, their multi- their multiplicities. They're, yeah. th- this is, this is Whitmanian yeah. in, its, in its view of humanity. In 1930, was, was tits not a word? <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was. Because, you know, you even have a better rhyme with hips in the next line. Yeah. Teats is animalistic, though. Yeah. yeah. He's wanted to bring these women back to animal forms. By, that, by the way, you brought up Joyce before. Yeah. You know, Teats also comes up in, in um, his description of, of his wife. Yeah, uh, I believe so. In the first chapter. He talks about her, her breasts hanging down like, like, sh- like no, the teats of a sheep or not, something. Not, that's not Bloom. That's, that's Stephen. It's, it's the old dugs of, of Gummy Granny you're talking no, about. No, no. I'm talking about Bloom in, in talking about his wife in the very, in the fir- that, their very first chapter. Not first chapter. Oh, not, no. It's, it's like the third or fourth right. chapter. Fourth chapter. For, but it was the first Bloom chapter. Right, right. I'm She's you. in her nightgown, and, yeah. and, he, and he talks about her breasts hanging down like, like the teats of yeah. an animal. So I'm wondering, I don't know if maybe he's... Uh, is Crane reading Joyce and getting into Joyce at the moment? I'm sure, but um, I mean, I, I think it's more likely that they're doing a similar thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's just trying to look at the figure from so many different angles. Yeah. You know, uh, some of them was, are unpleasant. It's almost Cubist in a way. No, no. I, that's right. Right. Yeah, that's I, I think, think this is. one, I think because then the next word with being like with the pearls yeah. whipping her hips, like you get like, you get uh, a caught slideshow, her sandstone grave between, which I'm assuming is like a peek at her pubis, right? Yeah, her yeah. eyes exist in swivelings of her teeth, pearls whip her hips, a drench of whirling strands. So you get like these like childbearing, like sort yeah, of like yeah, parts yeah. of her body. 
body, like, as opposed, and then you get the belly, like, this kind of, like, impregnating kind of thing. I don't know. No, I think it's all there. Yeah. It's, right? it's a really, really well-crafted poem. Yeah. The idea, like, you think you're going in for a cheap thrill, but you're actually seeing all of humanity laid out before right. you, you yeah. know? Yeah. It, that or, does, or all of a woman's humanity, perhaps, Right, right. You know? yeah. That does have a real Joycean yeah, you know, yeah. flair to wow. it, you yeah. know, yeah. where where you're going to go into uh, a bar to have a drink, but you're going to see all of literature unfolds before no you, doubt. or something like that. No yeah. doubt. This is good stuff. This this poem. I love. I, I'm telling you, I love these three together. They're, yeah. Because it's not just any one of them would be good. The three of them together create this kind of like interplay that I think is magnificent. Yeah. Virginia. All right. Virginia. Oh, rain at seven. Paycheck at eleven. Keep smiling the boss away. Mary, what are you going to do? Gone seven, gone eleven, and I'm still waiting you. Oh, blue-eyed Mary with the claret scarf, Saturday Mary mine. It's hiker Ellen from the popcorn bells, pigeons by the million and spring in Prince Street, where green figs gleam by oyster shells. Oh, Mary, leaning from the high wheat tower, let down your golden hair. High in the noon of May, on cornices of daffodils, the slender violet stray, Crap shooting gangs in bleaker rain, peonies with pony manes, forget me nots at window panes. Out of the way up nickel dime tower shine, Cathedral Mary, shine. Hmm. Hmm. So are the poems getting more um, what formally stylized as we go? The three of them? I just noticed this, right? I mean this one I, there's this, more rhyming, yeah. Yeah, this right um, the first one seems a little more chaotic. The mm-hmm. second one has a clear rhyme pattern. <clears throat> this one seems a lot more structured. <clears throat> so I don't know. I, I looked up a little on this one. Oh my god. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, this is based on a song of the time, apparently, or according to one critic. Oh yeah, know. I saw that too. You saw this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, it's from a musical poppy. Yeah. Or something like that. It's a. What is the song called? What do you do? What do you do Saturday, Sunday Mary or something mm-hmm. like that? Huh. So he's playing, which I guess was a Broadway hit at the time. He's playing with this idea. Um, I don't know what the, I didn't look up Poppy or whatever, but um, uh, my guess is it's probably your standard, you know, girl makes it in the city, like 42nd Street kind of story is my guess, mm-hmm. you know, which makes sense given the, given the kind of story, you know, Crane's working with here. But the idea that it's kind of like, you can sing this, it's, it's, very highly structured. I don't know. Yeah. What is that? Moving us from into the more modern sensibility? I don't even think it's more modern. No. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's actually less modern, right? It's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. Are you getting more cutesy? Is yeah. that what it is? Kind of. So what does this one have to do with, um, who's our third one? Oh, with, with Mary then. Right? Well, Mary is, is our... Virgin mother. Is her virgin mother, but also the from the the play Poppy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Part of the song title. Um, but yeah, she she shows up in line four here and all of this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, what is this really saying about Mary? I, I'm not, I'm not kind of at a loss for this one. Um, so I think this idea of uh, keep smiling the boss away, and then what are you gonna do? And it's just kind of her like in the city, right? Um, oh, Mary, leaning from the high wheat tower, let down your golden hair. So obviously, yeah. like, a reference to Rapunzel. Rapunzel yeah. But also, like, the idea of, like, letting down your hair, like, easing up, like, being, like, more freed or whatever. Yeah. I think this kind of question, like, how do you kind of, I don't know, Outside negotiate. Of, like, 
the, the virginal constraints of being the mother of God or something. Like, yeah. It's a bummer. I mean, it's a yeah, lot of pressure. Yeah, it's awful. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just kind of like, like this one is the most, I don't know, like, uh, what's the word? Like mainstream kind of. Mm-hmm. I think because yeah. we, we, if we're saying, you know, more like the Eve and the Magdalene, like, Mary here is like kind of more like a mainstream middle class woman who's like a working girl. She goes to business, right. you know. Right, right. And that might be that might be what the form's doing for the poem too, right? The form might be reinforcing. Yeah, that. I think so. Yeah, um, the kind of structure there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I got from it. Like, what what do you do? Like, do you just continue? Do you just continue to like? Are you gonna get married? Do you like? Do you let? Do you like sleep with your boss? Like, what do you do? Right. Yeah. Which is probably a particularly modern, early 20th century issue, right? Yeah. I mean, because before this, I mean, very few people are having to deal with, like, what it means to live an urban life like this. There's no rule right. book on it. Like, we were right. born into a, a world of several generations of this, but this is a, a new construct for most people. <clears throat> most people are living still rural lives. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, like, as a modern woman, you know, this idea of, like, let down your hair so I can, like, climb up your hair up to your tower. Like, do you do it? And then, you know, yeah. out of the way up nickel-dime tower shine. So I think that's, like, a reference to the Woolworth building, right? Mm-hmm, right, right. So, like, again, like, if that's her tower, like, of, like, you know, capitalism and industry or whatever, like, how do you negotiate those things? Yeah. I don't know. And, and shine, the last word, brings us full circle back to Southern Cross, mm-hmm. if uh, you think about the constellation. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, that's good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was wondering about that shine at the end, though. I mean... Does that mean... I don't think it means give in. I don't think no, it means... No, it means be you. Yeah, that's kind of how yeah, I think yeah, it, too. I guess so. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do it on your own terms. Yeah. Figure it all out. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. so uh, yeah. All right, that's good. <laughs> Overall, though, great. And, and the, it trails off at the end. Yeah. I, I like the middle one. one. I just... The other no, two are okay. Yeah. I don't know... The, the Virginia one, though, I don't know. It seems it seems so modern to me. You know, like, like I don't know. Like, uh, I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. I think it it, it plays nicely off of those, uh, particularly Southern Cross, in a way. I don't know. Right. They're all giving us a different kind of slice, American slice of life of this mm-hmm. similar problem. Right. Where it's kind of like we're all more similar than we are different. You know. Yeah. Even, even though we're living in different places, something like that. Melting pot. Yeah, melting pot. All that shit. All right, so we're going to do Quaker Hill. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, and we we introduced it a little before about um, it being kind of tonally, I would say, caustic. Um, But this is the first poem where I think we, we deal with class in such an explicit way. Right. Yeah. I mean, any time class was mentioned before this, it was almost like a, a Whitman nod to like, there's all different kinds of people out of there. It, yeah. Hey, isn't that great? This one actually creates foils and creates real tension mm-hmm. and specific character voices and how they see each other. Mm-hmm. Right. I dig it because it's right minded and because it's, it's, you know, the good guys looking at the, uh, the shitty rich guys, you know. Yeah. But um, this is this is the biggest departure, I think, in all of Crane we've seen. Mm. No? No, I think so too. Maybe. Yeah. And, and by the way, I'm not I'm not taking away from any of that, but I think th- that's required if we are going to get more and more narrow into the focus. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> um 
All right, you want to read this through? How are we going to yeah. do this? It's kind of longish. Well, well, it's three pages or three Let's of us. Let's split it up, man. Okay. Want to each take a page? Sure. sure. All right, I'll go first. <clears throat> All right, quick round. We'll look at uh, Isidore Duncan and uh, Emily Dickerson afterwards, I guess. All right. Okay. Perspective never, with, never withers from their eyes. They keep that docile edict of the spring that blends March with August Antarctic skies. There are but cows that... Uh, they are but cows that see no other thing than grass and snow and their own inner being. Through the rich halo that they do not trouble even to cast upon the season fleeting, though they should thin and die on last year's stubble. And they are awkward, ponderous, and uncoy. While we who press the, uh, the cider mill regarding them, we who with pledges taste the bright annoy of friendship's acid wine, retarding phlegm, shifting appraisals till who shall tell us when the jest is too sharp to be kindly, boasts much of our shore of faith in other men. Who would uh, ourselves stalk down the merriest ghost? Above them, old mizen top, palatial white, holstery floor by floor to sink foil, dormer, portholes, the ceiling stacked their stoic height, long tiers of windows staring out toward former faces, Loose panes crown the hill and gleam. At sunset, with a silent, cobwebbed patience, see them like eyes that still uphold some dream through mapled vistas, canceled reservations. High from the central cupola, they say one's glance could cross the borders of three states. But I have seen death's stare and slow survey from four horizons that no one relates. Weekenders avid of their turf one scores here, three hours from the semaphores, the czars of golf, by twos and threes and plaid plus fours, alight with sticks, a bristle, and cigars. This was the promised land, and still it is to the persuasive suburban land agent in bootleg roadhouses where the gin fizz bubbles in time to Hollywood's new love nest pageant. Fresh from the radio in the old meeting house, now the new Avalon Hotel, volcanoes roar, a welcome to high steppers that no mouse who saw the friends there ever heard before. What cunning neighbors history has in fine, the woodlouse mortgages, the ancient deal, table that Powitzki buys for only nine. P5 at Adam's yeah, auction eats the seal, the spinster polish of antiquity, who holds the lease on time and on disgrace, but eats the pattern with ubiquity. Where are my kinsmen and the patriarch race? The resigned factions of the dead preside. Dead rangers bled their comfort on the snow. But I must ask slain Iroquois to guide me, father, me farther than scalped Yankees knew to go. Shoulder the curse of sundered parentage. Wait for the postman driving from Birch Hill. With birthright by blackmail, the errant page that unfolds a new destiny to fill. So must we from the hawk's far-stemming view. Must we descend as a worm's eye to construe our love of all we touch and take it to the gate as humbly as a guest who knows himself too late. His news already told, yes, while the heart is wrung. Arise, yes, take this sheaf of dust upon your tongue. In one last Angelus lift throbbing throat, listen, transmuting silence with that silly note of pain that Emily, that Isidora knew, while high from the dim elm chancels hung with dew, that triple-noted claws of moonlight, yes, whippoorwill, unhusk the heart of fright, breaks us and saves, yes, breaks the heart, yet yields that patience that is armor and that shields love from despair when love foresees the end, 
leaf after autumn leaf, break off, descend, descend. Right. The end's cool. Yeah. yeah, the end is cool. I, and it didn't strike me <laughs> until like I like you know I went on like oh we're gonna descend next like it's, so it's oh Dantean and yeah yeah. Uh, by the way, Galen reads that those lines the best. Oh, uh, when you I, she I has this the best in every way possible. she has this little thing quality <laughs> the softness to like letting letting the words sort of trail off which I kind of feel is very right like almost like you know something you drop from a bridge you know and, and <laughs> oh, the sound is like you know is so faint because it's far away yeah. like you know goodbye goodbye <laughs> <laughs> yeah alright do we want to talk about the Isadora Duncan and Emily Dickinson or do we want to wait uh, yeah let's do that okay yeah okay so I don't know. What do you know about it? I don't very little. I just thought she was a dancer. I was looking into her. I just knew she was a dancer beforehand, too, but yeah. I was reading her Wikipedia page today. Nice. Um, so, yeah, she, her whole thing, I knew this, uh, her whole thing about dance was that she found ballet to be too formal. So she didn't oh. really necessarily say, like, invent modern dance, but she was really one of the first, like, really? modern dancers. Yeah, so she really breaks oh. form with dance. A lot of people did not like her, found her. She really couldn't find an audience in the Americas because they found her lack of formal dance to be kind of disturbing. Yeah. Um, but she was really popular in Europe, and she actually founded several dance schools there, and she had she actually had these, like, I don't know, like six or seven girls that she adopted because they were orphans and they became like her protege dancers and she had like she's kind of a wild person really? yeah she was like openly bisexual she was like oh. kind of all about and she died in a car accident oh really? kind of youngish what are we talking we're talking like first three decades of the 20th century well she yeah she started active. dancing like in the 1800s late, late oh, really? 1800s no, no, no. yeah she was kind of wild like you know <clears> but yeah she i think she dies in the third 30. I don't. Oh, you know what? I'm not. Sh- I think she's probably still alive when he's writing. Really? This. I think. I'm not sure. Actually. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I can't no. remember when she died. So she's like, she's like an artistic iconoclast, right? That's, yes. All right, because that's what I was getting from when they're mentioned later, right? Yes. That we we look to her and Emily Dickinson because they're groundbreaking. Right. Right. And 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 I think very what hardcore esthetes. Yes. Right, that's and, the idea. Yeah. And she also, I mean, the, interestingly, like, she definitely had, like, communist-leaning tendencies. She lived in Moscow for a while. She married a communist and stuff. And, Nin- yeah. 1927. Okay, she so dies. she died. Oh, so she's so, dead with so, Yeah, okay, so, this, so in a way, this okay. could be an elegy of some sort. I think sort, it kind so. of is. Mm. I think it is. Yeah, yeah that makes the, sense. The whole poem itself. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, the poem is... Certainly has marked this Marxist underlying. Well, exactly, yeah. yeah. But but um, analogy to sort of society, right? You know how society goes downhill when you know all, all you're looking to do is, is make money and right. live that well, dream. So that's right. It, right it, it's it, of that pain Emily and Isidore knew, right? What I'm getting from the larger context of that is is you know it, it's like um, it's the pain of. Of wanting to say something and not necessarily being understood or heard, right? Not being able to do it. Or she also, I know, like, Duncan had a lot of issues with how much it cost to, like, see her dance and stuff. She really mm-hmm. took issue with that, which is interesting. She wanted it to be more or less? Less. less. Like, she wanted right. she wanted things to be free for people, art oh, to be free really? for people. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Like, Emily Dickinson, obviously. It's like commerce. Exactly. And Emily Dickinson, to an extent, I would agree, is that way, too. Like, she didn't share her work. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of yeah. interesting to be... I never got the impression I, that Dickinson was doing that for a yeah. political reason. No, but no. I think it's the same end. But it's ultimately like yeah. they didn't do it for any kind of personal gain. They did it because they loved it. It's, I, it's I, art over. It's the aesthetics value over the, any kind of commerce. I, I think 
they're doing two different things, though, their presence in the poem, right? I think Duncan's mm-hmm. doing the first thing. I think Emily Dickinson's place is this idea of not having a voice. Right. You know? And you put those two things together, and, and you have a kind of complex tension, this idea that you want to speak out against these things, but you don't have a voice. Right. And then the other is the societal piece, which is, you know, we're kind of doing this all wrong. Right, <laughs> and, right. We're going about it all wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So the Dickinson poem, right, that this comes from, we were talking about before, like, it was underwhelming to me, you know, it's, it's fine, a little cheeky, but the first stanza that this comes from particularly just seemed, I don't know, unextraordinary. Agreed. Right? The only thing I can get from it is that uh, gentia, right, is that how you say that? Gentian. Gentian, I don't know plants, but um, that it's a fall-blooming flower, mm-hmm. right? Which I think is probably the key to it. You know, it's the, like like life and death at the same time. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's right? kind of what I got from it too. And there's I saw there's other poems about um, this flower plant, whatever it is, uh, that are always like playing with that ambiguity. The idea that, you know, you only kind of uh, what are seen, presented to the world, you know, admired for your full bloom after the fact. Like when yeah. it's too late. Some of there's a, a right. kind of like tragedy in it, which I think is the case for Dickinson. And it definitely did become the case for Isadora Duncan, for yeah. sure. Is that, yeah. But I think it's too early for him to really have known that, so it's kind of no. seeing it. No, because he, he publishes in 30. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, she doesn't really gain popularity until, like, after the oh, 30s. Oh, got I'm it. Saying. Like, after got he's it. dead, you know, like, yeah. which is kind of forward-thinking, though. I think he appreciates He did see her <coughs> dance once. I did read that. Yeah. Okay. He saw her dance once and was just kind of totally taken by ah, her. Cool. Just kind oh. of openly like uninhibited just like free loving dance yeah dude i'm telling you i feel like you know personally you know obviously we don't know i don't know much about crane you know but i get a sense that he wrestled with this idea of wanting to be more open and free loving and you know and versus being closed that father figure in his life his sort of kind of strict upbringing whatever it was right i I get a sense that there was a little bit of that which by the way bring dickinson into that Mm. you know there's another another soul but just just to talk about how like forward thinking is i mean dickinson is new to people Right. In the 20s. Right. You know? She's really been discovered. We think of her as this, like, phenomenon of the transcendental period or something. Yeah, that's no, she was bullshit. Wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Right? Nobody knew her. Yeah, nobody knew her. That's all, like, retroactively kind right. of put together. Yeah. Right. Um, so it sounds like he's grabbing, like, the two female figures of, you know, this this kind of theme that he wants to get out about, or these ideas he wants to get out about art. And, and women, know. too, I think. Just, in, like, this one coming after three songs, I think, makes yeah. a lot of sense in yeah. terms of what yeah. he's kind of pointing out, right? Yeah, that's good. I have to think about that a lot. Yeah. And this Dickinson poem, I just read it. It's uh, it's a pretty good little poem. It just doesn't have the. Um, it doesn't have. It's early. It's forty seven. Um, I don't know that people really know like if, what that means chronologically in her life, though. What do you mean? Like you know, they they've numbered and renumbered those poems several times, uh, well, and there's a lot of controversy. It, it could be an early poem. It, it I'm not seems sure. like it seems like an early poem. It doesn't have it doesn't have the complexity and the tension of of the ideas. A lot of times, I feel like the best Dickinson poems have have a sort of tension of, of ideas colliding up against each other. This one has a little bit of it, but not can, as much. Can you read it? Yeah. Do, do you get what I mean about though? It starts kind of drab, and it gets more interesting as it goes. I, I think it's, I like it. I just think it, it has a singularity in its sort of read, and yeah. I don't think that's often Dickinson. Dickinson yeah. usually has a much more complexity. I, I to think it. that's well said. I think yeah. that's right. Yeah. All right. So here it is. So gentian. The gentian weaves her fringes. The maple's loom is red. My departing blossoms obviate parade. 
A brief but patient illness, an hour to prepare, and one below this morning is where the angels are. It was a short procession, the bobolink was there, an aged bee addressed us, and then we knelt in prayer. We trust that she was willing, we ask that we may be. Summer, sister, seraph, let us go with thee. In the name of the bee, and of the butterfly, and of the breeze, amen. I like the bee. Yeah, man. I, really I like do. the bees too. The, yeah, the bee talks to her. I, I, yeah, dude. And, and and there's some really awesome. There's some really nice off rhymes early on. Yeah. And then and then the the music comes in. It's just I think it's the amen at the end. Uh, the the last stanza only three lines. It's just kind of it's very pointed. You know, yeah. it's got a singular approach. Yeah. That's no, not I, really. I that's not best. Uh, that's not Dickinson when she's doing yeah, but it her is magic. But it's yeah, I like it. It's in kind of an endearing poem. Yeah. All right, so I think we're talking around it, but but you know. It it takes a while for these ideas that are coming from the Duncan and the Dickinson. To, it comes out way later. Like it comes way later, right? It, it's because that is yeah. Not it's really what, that last stanza. Exactly. That is not what the first three pages of no. this poem are. No. Right. I mean, it's like he sets up this whole kind of class division Marxist critique, but concludes with something that is only tangentially related to that aesthetics. I think. Well, I guess I'm no. not giving enough credit, you know. Um, I think it's more than aesthetics. I think it's it's um, like vibrancy. You know what I mean? Like authenticity. Authenticity. Yeah, yeah. that's more it. No, I think it's right. authenticity. You know, maybe is this an ars poetica poem? Is this a poem about what it means to to really live life and create good art? You know, you have to have the duende. You have to have the spirit. You know. And 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 those those dudes on the golf course with their funny clothes, no, they don't have it. They don't have the duende. They're clowns. Yeah, right. right they're cats. Like I, I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> if even worse, they're, they're royalty. Yeah. They're czars. Yes. You know, I'm wondering if this is a sort of uh, a live life, uh, make great art kind of poem. You know, yeah. like a, like a kind of call to arms as we as we move to the end of this collection. You know what? Maybe that is the case. That's not a bad read. I mean, I've kind of mapped out what the poem is doing. I think you know. Um, the first two stanzas are very much, you know, setting the scene, right? It's who are the theys versus the we's, right? right? The theys are, you know, cows, you know, that, that have no perspective. That they only, come and eat our food and, and, you know, take whatever's there. Yeah, they're, they're just, unknowingly. Yeah, and, and they're, they're thoughtless and mindless, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I guess we should say that Quaker Hill is, I had to look all this up too, a resort town. Right, State New York. right. The, oh, yeah. the, the mizzen. What is it? Mizzen top. The mizzen top is a particular hotel. You, you know what this poem sounded like at one point was um, "Skunk Hour" by Robert Lowell, when he's talking yeah, about yeah, the yeah. kind of decrepit um, town, the town sort of falling apart, mm-hmm. and, and and pointing out the sort of class distinctions and things. I was wondering if maybe uh, Lowell had, was was studying some crane and maybe. drawing some influence on that. He's a he's hit or miss. He's hit or miss. Well, yeah. he, he made too much. I, I think. know too much. Uh, Skunk Hour is great. Skunk Hour is great. It's really great. Um, so, so the we's are right. These the the workers, right? Yeah, you yeah. Know, the waiters and the cleaners and mm-hmm. and you know so so it's it's I think it starts out almost like you know didactic and it's you know mm. uh, like like let me show you the difference between these things and a little often I think it goes somewhere great you know but. Um, Where are you, buddy? What's the oh, I'm just talking about the first two stanzas. Okay. I, like, I do like the line, though, like in the parenthetical, to who shall tell us when the jest is too but, sharp to be kindly. Yeah. I kind of like that line. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's very... <laughs> I feel that. It's witty and playful, you yeah. know? But um, I, what I like about that second stanza is that they're, 
they're not perfect. Right. You know, they're flawed right. as well, right? They have their um, friendships of uh, acid wine, you know what I mean? They live life, but you're right. The difference is they're living it authentically, right? It's not about moralizing. Right. It's about, it's about rawness. Yeah. Right? The, the, what, the, the plus fours and, and all of that, right. that's, all, that's all gauche facade. Pomp. Pomp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so I, I you know I don't want to suggest that it's it's overly simplistic either. I do think there is some nuance within these. Mm-hmm. Well, for the we's anyway, not the they's. The they's are caricature. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Clowns. And if I'm being like, if I'm being you know kind, I would say that's probably a check against this poem overall, right? I mean, it, it would look it, it, it suits my politics, but if we're really looking for authenticity, we're looking for fairness. I don't know that this actually seeks to achieve that. You mean he- in the same way that in the same way that there's a kind of undercurrent dealing with the women in three songs earlier. Sure. You know? So so you're saying that it, it doesn't it doesn't really have a it doesn't fit a place in it? Well these are people, right? These are people that have, you know, opinions with depth and Crane's dismissing them. You know? Yeah. Um but I, they're dismissible. They're awful people. I, I feel that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, but I, I think too, just like it, and also, I mean, it's kind of a funny poem for a lot of it, though. I think it's setting up the irony from uh, fresh from the radio in the old meeting house, now the new Avalon Hotel. Volcanoes roar, welcome to high steppers that no mouse who saw the friends there ever heard before. It's like the irony of it being Quaker Hill, like the Quakers who like Quaker, like if you go to Quaker meeting, like everybody just sits there, there's no priest and like somebody stands up when they want to talk, like they don't really believe like in like a patriarchal God either, like you know, just the irony of it, I think he kind of has to Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's one part in that stanza, Galen, you just read He's talking about bubbles in time to Hollywood's new love nest pageant. Like it sounded like it could have been talking to today, you know, right. and oh, like our reality he's TV just shows. About you know? Facade, yeah, you know, and the yeah. irony of it. And this is incredibly uh, relevant. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, no doubt. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, you know what I mean, though. Like, I do. Do you I not want to take a stand? Be fair. In no, I know. Authenticity. I think this this might be a little cheap. There's a couple cheap shots. Okay. I could see that. Interesting. And so what you wanted to be able to speak to all of... All of well, let me put it this way. This whole... All of the bridge has been this, you know, Whitmanian celebration, right? Galen said it perfectly before. This... It stops celebrating women and... Uh, women and... Uh, I'm, I'm thinking back to the last poem. It, it stops celebrating Americans mm. when we get to Quaker Hill. Because this is anti-American. Yeah, but that's the thing. Yeah, I agree. I think this is anti-American. I agree it is anti-American, but they are still Americans. Right? And again, I can have my politics against it. I think he can have his politics against it. I just don't want it to be cheap. And I think this borders on cheapness. Okay. Although I do think Crane is revising Whitman. I do think he he is offering his own modern sort of... And by the way, maybe it is the case by the time you get to the 1920s and you've already had the Gilded Age and you've already seen, you know, the destruction of of 20s excess that, you know, this is is an honest take of the times. I totally appreciate all of that, you know? The politics in this country are blah as hell at this point. Uh, oh yeah, it's do right. nothing, right? It, it's, Coolidge, it's I think, was just the president. Silent Cow, man. Yeah. Um, Hoovervilles are everywhere. You know that there there is a kind of you know bitter taste in the mouth of the uh, the kind of American, right? The 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 dust bowl's right around the corner. It's it's mm-hmm. right. Things are about to go south. I get all that, and I don't know. I 
I don't think he really thinks that they're just these empty vessels, though, the way he presents them. Hmm. I, I want a little more Whitman in this, I guess. A little less kind of Eliot. You know, this poem was supposed to be about, like, the anti-Eliot modernist poem. This one might get a little, get cynically too close to Eliot. Mm-hmm. You know? And you don't want it to do that? Well, no, I, I like it best when it's, it's celebratory, even in its criticism. Hmm. That's Whitman, though. Yeah, I know. I like Whitman. I do, too. I, I, I adore Whitman. Actually, I'm going to see Whitman's house in Camden this are, weekend. Oh, are you really? Yeah. A well, couple months ago, we saw his birth house in Long Island, and uh, Laura and I are taking her friends. But here's the thing, though. We don't want him to be Whitman. We want him to be Crane, okay. right? No, I agree. I totally agree with that. Um, let's compromise and make a Dickinson, then, right? Who can, who can do snark, I think, in a much more honest, playful way. That doesn't seem acerbic like this is, you know. There's a bitterness in here that's putting me off. By the way, I really like. This I know. Part. By the way, this. I feel like you would jive on those golf players too. I no, I totally <laughs> would. I totally would. You're just trying to be fair. This, you know, the problem with this poem is it sounds too much like me. <laughs> it's too close. It's too, too close. close. I, you wish you had a, written this I'm poem. I'm looking at a I bitter do. mirror. I definitely do. Yeah, I also man. love Quakers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And here's the problem. It probably is a problem more of consistency than of message. You know me. I don't mind a message that is no, I see anti-capitalist. Of course I do. It doesn't seem in keeping with the voice so far. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Is it possible maybe it just doesn't have that grand vision that the collection had when it began? You know what I mean? Like, Well, I don't think it can. That was my first right, point. Right. It's getting so specific. Because it's getting more and more specific, it's, right. it's hard to maintain that. Right. But, and, but and he's going to blow it back honest. out. He'll blow it back out, right? Atlantis. In Atlantis. Right. But, it, but maybe the, it's interesting that he's able to show... You know, look, I'll, I'll take you down to the nitty-gritty and even give you those cheap shots. He's going to take I, us underground next. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, part of, it's part of the scheme. But It's, it's kind of brilliant. I no, mean, yeah, he, he's, descending, right. he's descending from the sky, from the bridge, you know, in this sort of yeah. whirlpool down into life. You know, we're down, down to, to the burlesque, burlesque shows, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I think it, I, I feel like it fits, but <clears> I'm, I'm, curi- I'm really curious why... You, it doesn't feel right for you. It's a tonal thing. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's great. I think it's, it, this is just a kind of dissident note in an otherwise brilliant, you know, uh, I think you should collection. cut the dance, man. That poem, eat it. No, no, the dance is good. <laughs> but the dance is just like, it's just scattered. You know what I mean? That's like too Whitmanian. No, I, I, think, I think it was too like, he needed to fit a certain subject material in, and he was just forcing him, you know? All right, wait, can we just go yeah. back to the sure. Duncan quote? Do it, yeah. I see only the ideal, but no ideals have ever been fully successful on this earth. It's this idea, like, Quaker Hill fail. There aren't Quakers there anymore. There's the opposite <laughs> of Quakers there. Like, that's what he's pointing out. Like, I don't... It's the idea that, like, well, how can you say that, like, you're open-minded when you, you know, aren't open-minded about people that aren't open-minded? It's like, it's, the, the logic doesn't work, though. I'm liking this. I know. I'm liking this poem more and more. We talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a problem with democracy, right? Yeah. That you know, if you really have democracy, you open yourself up for fascism. Right. You know, something like that. I get that. Um, it, it's a. Remember when I came to you years ago and we were talking about why American literature begins with like the Romantics say, right? You know, and you start to hear that true American voice 
come in to the writings in this country because it's dealing with that true American problem, which is that individual self versus the collective identity, right? I mean, he's, 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 he's in the tradition of American writers because he's trying to capture that here, and I think he's doing it. He, he's pointing out the, the hypocrisy of it all, and by the time you're into the 1920s, you know, you know, Whitman's age, man, there's a lot to celebrate, man. You're living under Lincoln? You know, think about what the world looks like. You, you've just had a horrific war that destroyed yeah. half of the nation. But you won it, though, and you kept the, you kept the uh, union together, well, you know? who's we? You won it if you're on the, uh, on the, you live in a certain place. No, I hear half you. Half the country didn't win it. No, I get that. But, but I just think that Crane, Crane's offering, he, he, he's seeing the, the country in a different light, you know? And it's, he's a product of his time. So, so, so let me try this. Yeah. I actually think, right, so after the but in, I go, what is that, stanza four or five, whatever it is? Um, there, I think I think the, the tone turns a little. It becomes less snarky and a little more philosophical. Mm. And he basically argues in the rest of that stanza and the next one that whatever they represent has been, you know, a failure, like Galen said, but but ultimately meaningless, right? You know, uh, this was the promised land. You know, all of those those ideas, like everything was empty. That I think is more successful at getting at I, what you what you're talking about. You know, those those messages of, of maybe an American you know, failure due to modernity, all of that stuff. Mm. But it, it doesn't have that kind of, like, I don't know, gossipy bite to it, right? It, it, it's more worthy, I think, of, mm. of, of the, the larger scope of the message, mm. you know? I like the whole thing, though. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I think, I think it is very pessimistic. Though, right? I mean, yeah. ultimately it's saying that th- there's an inevitable decay, right, to n- not just kind of moneyed interest, but a- anything, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a poem about, I think, cultural entropy. Well, by the way, at the end of the poem and that, and that subject theme you just brought up, that takes you right back to Dickinson's poem. Um, That's what Dickinson's poem was about. Where the blooming flower oh, oh, in the right. midst oh, of, right. of uh, the very, very, yeah. yeah, in the midst of fall, autumn, which and is death. the start yeah. of decay and death. No, I agree, and and that's probably that's kind of wild. That's probably how he sees modernity, right? Mm-hmm. This kind of like incredible flowering at the end of civilization, where you you get these buildings and bridges that populate the world and all of this um, wealth and and you know convenience. Right, but that it doesn't have any legs. I think that relates to Cape Hatteras, the idea that like there's this progress, but the plane's still going to crash in the same place yeah. that the boat did. Right? Yeah. It's that I think that's the Isidore Duncan quote. That's what it is. And and it certainly speaks to the 1920s New York life. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. by the end of the 1920s, you are this love from despair, this autumn leaf about to fall. You know, I mean, it's. it's He's not 100 percent right though. I, I mean, because. That was 80 years ago, and we're still living in America that, yeah. that is recognizable, and, you know, it, it's on its last legs, but still has democracy and some kind of upward mobility. By, by the way, he dies two years later. He thought he was right. He thought he was right. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's very much in keeping. And, and again, right, this sounds, soul. this sounds more like Wasteland Elliot. Yeah. It sounds like, like the doom around the corner, gloom and doom. No doubt. I thought the bridge was more a contemporary of that stuff. Um, no, it is, but but I mean, he he fashioned this as this kind of this this anti yeah. Elliot. This is supposed to be a kind of anecdote to it. I don't Who know. Crane fashioned it that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked about that like like a while ago. Yeah. But um, I think that you know maybe it's his own kind of personal life or his own viewpoint. You know, 
obviously we know how it ends for him. It, it probably got in the way of any kind of um, positivity he could see in the in the Whitman America. You know. Yeah. I'm not I mean, sure. man, this descent in the bridge, in the tone and and in and say the vision and things. I mean, you could almost liken that to his own personal descent. You know, he could be descending into these poems in much the same way for all we know. Well, all right, so a line that, that I think speaks to that partially is, um, you know, where my kinsmen in the, where are my kinsmen in the, pa- the patriarch race? You know, I don't think he's, he's outside of his own criticism. Mm. You know what I mean? That, that my and the idea of patriarchy, you know, mm. there's right. a sense that those are all crumbling as well. And that, I think, could be seen, I think, from his point of view and probably from our point of view, as completely positive, you know, that there's more, I don't know, those, those old strictures of top-down, you know, um, binary, you know, uh, ideas are, are, are crumbling as well, mm. you know. I guess I would be more hopeful or feel better about it if the poem leans more in that direction overall, mm. you know. But I, th- I think it's that's just a symptom of the larger problem he sees that the whole world is is crumbling. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Even this, right? Uh, but I must ask Slant Iroquois to guide me farther than scalped Yankees knew to go. Right? That he does see hope in the disenfranchised. Right? Those people outside of the patriarchy. Those people that are outside of of you know North European settlers. Yeah. You know, we saw a little bit of that in uh, uh, Potwan's uh, daughter. I can't say yeah, that word. Yeah, Potwan's daughter. Potwan's daughter. Yeah, I mean, it's taking us back to the Indians. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is like little pinpricks of hope in here, given the strange kind yeah. of catastrophe of it all. You know. Um, yeah, but but that descent at the end is is pretty bleak. I mean, it's pretty pretty inevitable yeah. as a uh, a fate. You know, honest. I, you know, I, I don't. I don't think that he's not authentic about these points of view. You know, mm-hmm. um, but but it's uh, this poem is just kind of outside of the. I think the large scope of what the poem is doing otherwise. And you know, as we're talking about it, that might be a good thing. That might be just a kind of natural unfolding of of the American experience as he sees it. Why should that be bad, you know? Yeah. Right. It's failed Whitman, though. That's, that's what, I mean, we can't have it both ways, I think. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? What, you said it's failed Whitman? Uh, it's... It, it, Whitman's vision of America has to be seen necessarily as a failure, then. Yeah. I oh, think. yeah, I think so. Uh, or at least crumbling. Yeah. At, at least moving toward failure. So, I mean... Descending. Yeah, so descending, yeah. If we're, if we're just talking about the pagination of how these poems work, though, it, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's well done. This it's sets us up incredibly well for, for the, the tunnel. The tunnel, right? And then Which is a, a, what is it called? A, a catabasis, right? The, the trip to the underworld? Yeah. yeah. Catabasis? Mm-hmm. Gephardt would yell at me here. Yeah. I don't think I'm supposed to say his last no. name ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> noise, say, noise, distraction, decoy. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, and we'll talk about the implications of all of that, right? So you can rise back up and have your Atlantis. Not even, not even rise. Atlantis is an underwater city too, right? You know, I mean, yeah. it's almost like you're living underwater at that I, point. I don't know what to do with Atlantis yet. By the way, underwater, where he goes, come on, man, I can't, I keep going back no, to this all shit. No, I'm saying, man. all I'm saying is, damn, is the this the latter half of this? Yeah, is brilliantly 
connecting them to tell this kind I, of story. I feel like the whole, I no, the whole, like the whole collection the whole has a, an incredible organization to it. Yeah. It's yeah. both linear and it's sort of chaotic yeah. at the yeah. same time. You know, it's, yeah. it, it's moving us forward in time um, chronologically and yet it's descending in the ideas. Yeah. It's More and more I'm comparing this to Patterson, which is something we just freshly read. That's interesting. Um, I think this leaves it in the dust. Yeah. I mean, we talk about how we love the first the first book of Patterson, yeah. but then it kind of meanders away. Yeah, Patterson Patterson had Patterson has a more categorical approach to life in Patterson. I feel like he's like he's kind of putting together a sort of mosaic of Patterson. Yeah. This is doing something. No, this is just special. Doing, I think it's very similar. This is just doing it on a national level. But the, but this book this this vision has a trajectory. No, I that's feel, what I'm saying. Yeah, I feel like that's what I'm saying. I feel like we started in Europe and we literally crossed the ocean and we thought about moving out west, but instead yeah. now we're descending into our local voices of New York City. Like, I I, I feel like this sort of movement that's been like a map. You know, yeah. it, it, it's kind of wild. I don't know. Yeah, it's I, an extraordinary piece of work. It is. I mean, at this point, we I know we got one more, one more podcast you know I, I think this is like a huge step away from white buildings yeah it is I mean it, it, just in terms of complexity I wasn't sold when I first read yeah. through it but after talking with you all about it like this there are like really special moments in this collection yeah, yeah. I really think so alright cool we're good yeah alright next time we'll do the last two poems which are the tunnel and Atlantis and we'll kind of sum the whole thing up and cool see you.